Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Make You Known podcast. Thank you so much for joining us today. Uh, today, our guest is a writer, a speaker, a wife to one husband, and mother to two teenage children. So hats off for that. Um, and um, yeah, she is also the author of a book called Extraordinary Hospitality for Ordinary People. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Mrs. Carolyn Lacey. You can find Carolyn online on Twitter at Lacey, that's L-A-C-E-Y underscore Carolyn. Um, and yeah, and she's also got a blog, which has got a link from there. So Carolyn, thank you so much for joining us today. So you've written this book, Extraordinary Hospitality for Ordinary People. Thank you very much for writing it. I found it uh, very helpful. And actually, one of the things I did like about it as well is that it was concise and to the point. Um, I know that some people, I feel like they, I feel like some authors sometimes add like 100 pages to a book to, um, you know, just to, for an ego trip or whatever. But yeah. <laughs> I like the fact that it was punchy and to the point. So thanks for writing that. Um, could you just tell us a little bit about, yeah, the book, how it came about, about yourself? Yeah, sure. So um, the book really came about because I was teaching with my husband at a conference for young people who were thinking about going into full-time Christian ministry. And for my part, I was teaching through the characteristics of a church leader or an elder, one of which is that he must be hospitable. And it kind of occurred to me that in most of the churches and spaces that I've been involved in, that has been loosely translated as his wife, if he has one, must be good at having lots of people around for dinner. And, and I do think that the Apostle Paul probably meant more than just that. And then at the same time, I found myself in conversations with quite a few friends who were struggling with this traditional idea of hospitality for, for a variety of reasons. Some because their living circumstances made it difficult to have people in the home. Um, maybe they were lodging or in shared spaces or living with unbelieving family members and just and just finding that difficult. But others who who were struggling with mental health issues like anxiety or depression and and the idea of inviting people into their home and cooking for them was just too overwhelming but they were feeling guilty about that. And so really I, I wanted to just think more deeply about hospitality and see if we could not find a broader definition or model of what it means to be hospitable. And so basically I just started tracking through the Bible, starting in Genesis and working through what God's hospitality looks like, how he has shown welcome to us, and then really thought about how that can inform the way we welcome others. And so that's that's kind of where, where we ended up with seven ways to welcome like Jesus. So it was really looking at characteristics of welcome that we see in him, delighting in them, and then thinking, okay, how can I uh, learn to welcome other people like that? Uh, that's really cool. Um, so I noticed, yeah, like at the start, one of the things I really like you say around page 24, I'll just actually read the quote because I thought it was good. Um, it, you, you say that, um, Jesus offers grace to us, but he also offers grace to others through us. He promises that living water will flow from within us to others. That is, he will extend his welcome to others through us. This is the best motivation for offering generous hospitality. Generosity is not just something we are called to do, an item to tick on the spirituality checklist. 
it is a significant way in which God works in our lives to bring life to others. And I really like that because I think like it's that that's so important, isn't it? It's having it that way round that it's not something we do as a, a kind of like, oh, here we go. Um, this is the next on my onerous list. Um, but it's, uh, it's something that comes from, oh, actually, I'm excited to do this as part of my kind of mission. Yeah, and I think just that uh, and it should be more of a natural response to what God has done for us. And and so that's partly why um, you'll have seen throughout the book, as well as being practical about how we show hospitality, I've really wanted to excite the reader about the wonderful way in which God has welcomed us, because really our welcome of others should spring from that. It, It should be the natural overflow of hearts that are just really grateful for what he's done and excited and, and also want to share his wonderful welcome with others. So yeah, that's, that's kind of where I was coming from with that really. Yeah, no, that's, that's, uh, that's great. Um, so one of the things you say, which I'll just uh, contend for a second is um, on page 25, um, you say, well, our unbelieving friends or work colleagues may use their homes, their money and their ability to impress. We, want to use ours to bless i think that's really true but i also think there's um like it's not necessarily a secular sacred uh divide in terms of, i think there's plenty of um christians who kind of like to have their homes as a bit of a show home and uh <laughs> and all yeah. that kind of stuff um would you agree with that or yeah i do and i think i mean obviously uh, because of common grace there are unbelievers who use their time, their talents, their homes in in wonderfully generous ways. Um, And there can be Christians who don't. And I I think what I'm kind of pushing into is that our Western culture um, is is very focused on being impressive, um, earning approval, um, gaining status, and how easily really we've absorbed that into Christian culture and into the church. And so the gifts that we have from God, um, we can often, even without realising it, use them to kind of build our own kingdoms, to to impress people or to make ourselves feel good or that we've arrived, you know. And so I'm kind of trying to press into that and saying, you know, for the most part, that can be how society works, but we are called to be different. And of course, there are Christians who are wonderfully different, but um, it, it is really a way that we can be countercultural, isn't it? Um, and and just be really mindful that what we have isn't to terminate with us. It's all to be used to to bless others, really. Um, but you're right, of course, it's it. You can't really draw the line directly between the Christian and the non-Christian um, because there are people from all walks of life who, who are wonderfully generous and wonderfully giving um, and that's a challenge to us really isn't it yeah for sure for sure I, yeah I, I agree um, and one of the things I sort of like that you kind of illustrate which is I sort of hadn't really thought of before myself was about this idea of hospitality not necessarily being about having people in for dinner like there are other ways to express it and um could you just like briefly outline a couple of those yeah so uh, what i've tried to do is think about hospitality as welcome 
Um, now, if you think about it, Jesus was the perfect human, which means he must have been hospitable, but he didn't have his own home. And so I found it really helpful to look at just some of the different ways that Jesus has shown welcome to people in his earthly life and ministry. Sometimes that was inviting himself to others' homes uh, to eat with them. But sometimes it was stopping to speak with people on the street or by a well or in the temple courts or the synagogues and um, and calling people to, to come to him there. And so I've just wanted to think, especially for those for whom it's a genuine struggle to invite people into the home, what are some of the other ways in which we can be welcoming? And so in the workplace, for example, most people don't go to work thinking, how can I show hospitality today? But I wonder if we could. I wonder if we could think, how can I communicate to my colleagues or to the people that I meet in the workplace that they are that they're wanted and that they're welcome in my life. Um, I might not invite all of them back to my home, but I can show that they're welcome in my life. I can give them my time. I can work hard to find out about their families or their interests or struggles that they have. Um, I can I can offer to eat lunch or go for a walk or grab a coffee. And so I was just trying to encourage people to think, okay, in the workplace, what it what would it look like for me to communicate to the people that I meet and work among, you are welcome in my life and you're wanted. And similarly in the in the community or with our neighbours, I mean it's great if you if you're able to have neighbours in, that's that's a lovely way to kind of firm up friendship. But actually just by our interactions in the street, in the supermarket, we can communicate whether or not we we really value and welcome people. Um, and the same, I suppose, within the church family. Um, so, yeah, that's just, I'm just trying to get us to think a bit more broadly. And I think that could be especially helpful for those who, who for genuine reasons, can't have people in the home. I don't want to give us a pass. Like, I, I don't think we want to make our homes places into which we retreat and and don't share if we're able to but for those for whom hospitality in the home really is difficult um it's very freeing to know well i can do it elsewhere yeah i think that's really great um it's yeah it just it makes sense on a level i love that idea of welcome that you that you kind of portray there um, what do you think, like, if you are someone who is introverted or, and kind of anxious, like, it's going to be a much bigger ask than for someone who's obviously very sociable and extroverted or whatever. What, what do you think they should do? Well, one of the wonderful things about being a Christian is that we belong to a family. And so I wonder if, if one thing is to get the family to help so don't think of hospitality as a, a kind of solo sport. You know, it's it's something that we can do together. And so um, I think if you're feeling anxious or if you're feeling shy, get somebody, get a friend from church just to help you and, and start small. Don't, don't overburden yourself. So it might be um, on a Sunday at the end of a service, arrange that with a friend you're going to get a coffee and try and strike up a conversation with someone who's on their own and use your friend to help you. Um, or if you're wanting to meet 
up outside of church um start small go for a walk or go for a coffee but again bring a friend to help you um i've actually got a, a japanese friend and she's her english isn't great it's better than she thinks it is but she gets quite nervous about being on her own with me in case she can't carry the conversation so she always just brings another japanese friend with her whenever we meet and, and i don't think that's strange at all and so i think if you need to do that that, that's perhaps a good place to start get the family to help yeah i think that's great the baby kind of baby steps um and that's with so many things isn't it and because yeah i don't know about you but i found like i've got very limited experience of hospitality but like generally i enjoy like meeting people and talking to people and all the rest of it but there's actually something kind of vulnerable about having someone into your home and I've, I've often found myself actually kind of nervous about the whole experience like before it happens about oh like what if I mess up the dinner or what if the conversation just dies off and I don't know what to say um I don't know have you ever had any of that or yeah and I mean by nature I love people I wouldn't be a ministry if I didn't but I am an introvert and um I I, I worry about kind of running out of steam um, energy wise you know and oh what if it's going to be a really really long night and I don't know how to kind of wrap things up and and I kind of think it's never it's never as tricky as I think it's going to be but the worst that can happen is that conversation is a bit stilted and you know even in in those cases I think most people appreciate efforts um, even if things don't go smoothly, it, it, you know, if the food's not fantastic or conversation's a bit stilted, I, I think most people can tell whether we're genuine in wanting to show care towards them. And and I think do appreciate that. And it's interesting, I was chatting to a friend um, a few weeks ago and she is brilliant at cooking for loads of people. She's always had stacks of people in the house. And she was saying that actually after this year of restrictions and lockdown, she's feeling quite nervous and anxious about kind of starting that again and I think probably a lot of people are so this feels like quite a nice opportunity really to um to reset and acknowledge that we're all a bit nervous and we're all a bit out of practice um and we'll just start small and see what happens and one practical thing we we sometimes do is uh if there are people that I I don't know very well or I'm not quite sure how it might go. We might invite people to come for dinner before prayer meeting or before small group. So it's it's not for a whole night. Um, it's just an hour or so. And it's just a kind of first steps opportunity to get to know them. So that can be that can be something helpful as well. Um, yeah, I think that's good to have like a sort of healthy kind of almost a, a, a margin on it or a time window on, on it. Um, and and what you say about the food thing is interesting as well. I think, um, you know, I think sometimes we mix up hospitality and entertainment, don't we? And we kind of feel like we have to put on Belteshazzar's Feast or something like that, don't we? And it's like, <laughs> like, do you know what? It's actually, you can serve your guests a ready meal. Like if, if it's between that yeah. and not having them in at all, that's okay, do you think? Yeah, absolutely. And pizza. But my, yeah. my kids, when people have dropped pizzas around for us, my kids think that's the biggest treat. Um, so shop-bought pizzas are fine or shop-bought soup and rolls, it's it's fine. And in some ways it might take the pressure off as well because I think sometimes guests can be a bit nervous, can't they? And if, if you've gone all out, there's almost a bit of pressure on them to 
hold up their end of the conversation or you know for them to be entertaining as well so sometimes I think simple makes everybody feel a bit more relaxed yeah totally agree I I totally yeah I totally agree um so you you also talk a little bit about um or, or you mention at a given point um time management like diary management and all that kind of thing and I I just kind of wanted to highlight that because I feel like that's actually a really important thing and that's something that we don't um often think about or talk about like we we manage a diary for our works or all that kind of stuff but when it comes to hospitality I think there's something to be said around all that stuff of actually booking things in and like sort of guarding time and having margin in life for that kind of thing um yeah. So, do you do you how how do you um, go about managing, like in a non-COVID kind of world? Um, <laughs> how would you? I mean, are you structured about it, or do you kind of just leave enough room that you can be spontaneous? Or well, sometimes I do it really badly, and I like everybody else, completely over cram life, and I'm far too ambitious about what can happen in a week um but i'm i've learned over the last couple of years to try where i can to leave margin and it's not always possible and sometimes there are seasons that are just very busy and very pressured and and we have to just go with that and there's grace for that but i do wonder particularly in the west if sometimes we choose busy and we maybe just because we're not thoughtful or intentional about things we we make our plans um whatever it is uh, sports or other hobbies or kind of just saying yes to things without thinking about it and then find that we haven't got any margin so that when a neighbor stops you in the street you're kind of stressed you know I've actually got to get home in five minutes and and be out the door and so I am trying quite hard generally to to be thoughtful about that. So my husband and I at the beginning of the week tend to do diaries, sometimes at the beginning of a fortnight or a month and just work out where are the busy pressure points and where is there a bit of slack. And I'm I'm trying not to fill up every every slot so that if my neighbour does knock and she wants a chat, that's that's fine. Or if I'm busy, I can say, you know, I'm not free now, but um, can we catch up on Saturday morning? Um, so I, I think we can't always help when when busy gets us, but I think we can sometimes choose not to not to pursue busyness. There are variety. I don't know what you think about this, Jason. I think there are a variety of reasons as well why we make ourselves busy. Sometimes it's for feeling feeling fulfilled or that we're achieving enough or that life's full and. It, exciting enough i don't know what do you think yeah I, I think it's a it's a massive um a really interesting topic and a massive thing in our time isn't it and um like there's just so yeah sometimes it's just negligence like um i can't remember where i read it but i remember somewhere it's saying about busyness almost being laziness because what it means is like you have just not bothered to carefully plan your diary yeah, <laughs> which i yeah. just thought yeah i just thought that was so interesting um and yeah sometimes I think yeah we just fill life up because we don't want to 
deal with just dealing with ourselves sometimes we just it's almost like this filler activity of just kind of if I can be frenzied then I won't realize I'm lonely or you know or something like that and that's one of the really interesting things around this whole COVID situation and and how that's kind of forced us to deal with certain things and but um there's also I mean I remember reading a book by Kevin DeYoung called Crazy Busy um which was quite good and one of the interesting things that totally I just didn't think about before I read it was he talked about pride being a massive part of of it and how it's you know there's so much around being seen to be busy and not being able to say no and all the rest of it and funny enough that I was interested that it comes into your book as well actually that there's um there's the two types of provide pride that can prevent hospitality you can sort of be oh I'm above that person or whatever or you kind of worry too much about what others think wasn't is that correct um yeah so so what's your thoughts on on pride and hospitality and all of that yeah, I think it is. I think it's the biggest obstacle, really. I think there is there's the obvious pride, like you were just saying. You know that I'm. I might think myself above certain people. I might be a bit choosy about who I want to make space for in my life, and and that's quite obvious. And we would all say, "Oh no, that's wrong. We shouldn't do that." And um, but then the yeah, the subtle form of pride is is really our desire for approval. And, and that's where this, this whole fear of what people might think comes in. So, you know, yeah, you said earlier, there's a vulnerability about inviting people into our homes. Um, they might see that we've not quite got it all together. Uh, there's a vulnerability in cooking for people or, or hosting. You know, they might see that I'm not as skilled as they thought or I'm not as good at conversation as other people who they might spend time with. And, 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 and all of these fears can, can seem like quite good excuses for not offering welcome, but actually they, they all stem from fear of man, which is, which is a form of pride. And so I do think it is the biggest obstacle and yeah, I talked about that quite a bit in the book because I don't think we always identify it as as an enemy, as an obstacle in that way. But it does it does affect everything. And I do think if you if you want to be a welcoming person, that that does take quite a degree of vulnerability, um, and that's and that's humbling, really, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's so often, so interesting how so many things kind of come back to those kind of words like vulnerability and all this kind of stuff, which are things we have to learn. And I think they're things we, I'm I'm hearing around more, which is great. So I feel like there is things are moving. But again, it's one of those things that we it might be nice to talk about, but then the actual doing it takes some kind of bravery, right, and kind of willingness yeah. to put ourselves a bit on the line, which is a good thing. I think we need to encourage one another to step out a little bit more and and yeah i mean what have we got to lose really and to some extent um so yeah yeah yeah, so so just before um we move on to the quick fire stuff have you got any like personal stories or whatever of where hospitality you've seen kind of transformation or kind of fruit born through through all of that um I'll share, I'll share a story. I, I mentioned this briefly in the book. I didn't get quite go into a lot of detail because I'm, I'm a bit worried that my friend will read it and, and identify herself. But um, years ago, there was a woman that I met at the school gate and she was really cold to me and I couldn't work out why. We, we were kind of, we all stood with the same 
group of parents our, our girls were all friends and she was quite hostile to me and it, it turned out that she hates Christians um, uh, for various reasons and I I did pray about it quite quite a lot I felt like I should pursue her and pursue relationship with her which which I did and um invited her around invited her kids around to play or to go to the park with mine and it was quite hard work quite often and quite a few times I had her around for meals with other mums from the school gate and I kind of never knew which version of her might arrive she might be okay or she might be a bit cold but anyway I I just persevered and I, I don't think I did anything particularly special except just tried to be warm tried to be kind tried to include her even though honestly it would have been easier not to at times anyway um probably about three years in she just turned up on my doorstep one night and invited herself in and her marriage was falling apart and she just said I I just thought you would be compassionate and understanding because you're a Christian and you've always been kind to me and and it was wonderful really and we're very close now we see each other all the time and funny we were talking a couple of well probably a few months ago now and she she said she wouldn't describe herself as an atheist now she thinks God's probably real because she sees the impact in my life but he, he's not for her and I thought that's that's amazing really that's just an extraordinary way that God has worked in her heart through quite simple and low-key but persistent taking of opportunities to, to welcome her and and I don't think I'm particularly great at that and I've always been a bit scared of her as well so that was a, a big encouragement to me I guess. Yeah well hats off for that because um i must say that persistence thing is uh, is probably one of the most challenging to me personally i mean if i know someone's not keen on me i tend to just keep away from them <laughs> let alone <laughs> trying again and again <laughs> to you know um draw near but you're right that is the reflection like that is the, the the sort of template we've been given of all the love that's shown to us is persistent isn't it and um yeah yeah, yeah. so i was i was challenged um, when reading that but that's great to hear um so and, and well done for, for that and i trust that and, and i love that as well that it's part of a process right it's like we we sometimes expect we have to take someone from here to there in like a heartbeat and it's like that's not what it's yeah. about it's not it's not going to happen over one dinner is it um or it might yeah. but it but you know it's more likely it's a process of doing life with people right um yeah and and again i do think because because generally people are busy and they don't make time to persevere with those who are hard work you know I think that it's again it's another way that we we can just be a little bit different um it I think probably most of our non-christian friends and neighbors are used to people just kind of giving up on them if it's not going very well or if they're feeling offended or or hurt or or whatever it is so again it's another way that we can we can show that we're different because of the way that God has treated us. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I think that's, that's really good. Um, yeah. Different is an, is an interesting word as well. I just, that just reminds me briefly of a, a Tim Keller talk I listened to where he talks about us being salt. And anyway, it's probably a bit of a big side avenue to go into now, but um, 
he did say, you know, one of the things is like how how is because I think he was addressing sort of a secular audience on what uses Christianity in culture today, and he was basically like, well, we're called to be salt, and one thing salt does is it brings flavour, and it can't bring flavour if it's the same as the thing it's bringing flavour to. Like it has, to, you don't add meat to meat to make it taste better. You add, yeah. salt, you know, and I thought that was a really good analogy of yeah, we have to be that salt, that kind of. Um, so yeah, so just just moving on to the. Um, quick fire questions then um what one thing do you know now that you wish you'd known as a 20 year old so many things but i'm gonna say this i i wish i'd have known how dependent i needed to be on god's grace every day and and also that his grace would be sufficient every day i wish i'd have been humble enough to to see my need to depend on him more. That's great. That's great. Uh, yeah, I don't think we can get beyond that, can we, to some extent? Like, um, gospel in one minute or less. Or more. Or less. Um, <laughs> God has clothed himself in flesh and bones and has come to rescue people who could not rescue themselves and people who are hopelessly lost and unaware of it and he has come into our world and saved us and through his death on the cross and his triumph over death he has made it possible for us to have life love it love it how do you keep going through discouragement slash dark night of the soul i think I think Bible reading um, is is the key. The the more time I spend in the Word, the more I'm equipped to persevere. And when I'm tempted to neglect God's Word, is when everything gets a little bit too overwhelming. So being in the Word, memorizing the Word as well, so it's just there um, when when I need to recall it. That's been the, the main thing I would say nice um any recommendations for books or podcasts or the like even social media accounts that you um find are good to engage with helpful um there's a podcast that i really enjoy listening to it's called the way home and the host is daniel darling who wrote the dignity revolution and what i really like about it is um he'll he'll have a variety of guests on often um people who've written books or have got expertise in certain area a lot of ethical issues and um thinking about how christians can dialogue with and engage with ethical issues and i find that really stimulating it's the way home um books well i'll recommend a book which um, some people might not have come across. It's called Practices of Love for the Life. Yeah, Practices of Love is what it's called. And it's by Carl David Bennett. And it's the, the premise is that we often think spiritual disciplines are about me and God. I do these things to be closer to God. But he's saying, what if our spiritual disciplines are good for the life of the world? And, and I've had that in my mind a bit as I've been thinking about hospitality. So, yeah, I'd recommend that, Practices of Love by Kyle David Bennett. Nice. They, they both sound really good, actually. I do actually. I, I will 
make a point of following up with both of those. Um, and finally, if you could send one kind of tweet-sized message to young adults today, what would it say? Nothing and no one in this world can bear the weight of your hopes and dreams and desires and longings. Only Christ can. So run to him. Fantastic. Um, Carolyn, any last thoughts before we wrap up? Um, well, you know, I would just I just want to encourage people to spend some time delighting in what God has done for us in the Lord Jesus and and reflecting on how welcoming he's been. We we have a God who is so incredibly generous to us. Um, more generous than we realize he he's offered us welcome that is undeserved and and that is overwhelming and that lasts into eternity and so i i would encourage i would encourage people to spend some time dwelling on that and then let that inform the way we welcome others um if our motivation isn't right or, you know, and we're just trying to kind of do things because it, it seems like something we probably should do, um, we'll get we'll get overwhelmed and overburdened again or, or just fed up with it and we'll give up. But if we can keep in mind what God has done for us in the Lord Jesus and that and just that eternal perspective as well, um, he has welcomed us in a way that will last into eternity and and our welcome um is a way that we can reflect that and share it with others and and, and we can do so hopefully um prayerfully anticipating that that we also might bear fruit that lasts into eternity yeah yeah i'm not going to add anything to that because i think that's a great kind of i'm not sure i could actually that's why <laughs> so, yeah, it's a great it's a great way to end so thank you so much for your time carolyn and um oh, it's yeah. great to talk to you thank you so much take care well listeners i hope you found that conversation was inspiring and uh hopefully that will spur you on a bit and motivate you in your hospitality and your welcome think about it who is it in your life that you can maybe draw near to that you can welcome into your life grab a coffee with have them around for a bit of food whatever it is um, let's not overcomplicate it. Let's just open our lives to the people around us and those particularly who might be in in need. Um, in the meantime, this is the book Extraordinary Hospitality for Ordinary People by Carolyn Lacey. Uh, we actually have a copy to give away. So check out the social medias. Uh, that's probably where you're most likely to find there will be a link to where you can get a hold of this for gratis. Don't forget, if you haven't already, you can subscribe to our YouTube channel. Um, or you can follow us on social media. We are on Instagram at make underscore you underscore known and on Facebook as make you known, all one word. Until next time, take care.